Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Friday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We're back to our three-stool format today. One for Jim, one for me, and one for you. And uh, it was great to have... Bob Costas on the program yesterday, but as uh, some of you tweeted back to us, don't go away from the original format. Don't worry, we're not. We might bring uh, other special guests on in the future if the opportunity presents itself, but it's certainly not anything uh, we're planning in terms of a format change. And we'll get to our good, bad, and crazy martinis, although not in that order uh, today in just a moment. But uh, Jim, I think the postmortem on the Costas interview is that We were glad that he came on. I thought it was a good conversation. It was cordial. I don't think we necessarily agreed on everything, but I think the context he provided for ways that he's called out rogue regimes, whether it's Iran or China as far back as 1996, and the way he spoke about uh, how some athletes today are willing to speak out about what's going on here, but not in China, where they're making tons of money, was fascinating. I don't know that we'll ever come to a complete agreement on guns uh, and things like that, but uh, I'm glad we did it. And I think our audience, uh, from the responses we've gotten, are glad we did it too. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I knew this was going to either blow up big or flop. <laughs> and uh, it, the reaction has been very positive. Lots of our listeners do not agree with Bob Costas on everything, but I think they were really pleasantly surprised by uh, not just how, how you know direct he was willing to be about China and its human rights record and the IOC and international sports institutions' willingness to work with them and, and you know that. Um, I also think I, I, I went back and I watched. You know, I did forget that in 1996 he had called out China and that China had tried to pressure NBC Sports, and that they learned. I think NBC. You know, Bob Costas did not apologize. I saw somebody saying that the network had uh, uh, offered kind of a mealy-mouthed response to the Chinese regime. There, um, no, it was a great, wide-ranging conversation. I, I think he's a very bright guy, even if we don't agree on every little detail of things like that. Um, I think, you know, I don't think you and I are somebody who paint in only primary colors was the phrase he kept enjoying uh, to, to yes. bring up there again. But you know what? Look, if, if, I, if we, you know, he never actually said, you know, speaking of the shotgun offense, it's time to talk about gun control quite the way he did. And I like the way that he had backed up. Um, and, we, and by the way, you had showed right before we started taping, you played me the audio from like a week after our original commentary on that back in like 2012. Uh, where he had gone on Dan Patrick's radio program and said, you know what, this is a complicated issue, and I couldn't have accurately summarized it in 90 seconds. And you and I said, hey, good martini. He was the good martini that day. We said, okay, good for you for recognizing that you'd oversimplified the issue and maybe helped demonize uh, uh, gun owners and stuff. So it was a a great conversation. Yeah, I think we want to do more interviews in the future, uh, but it's going to be a special occasion sort of thing. It's not, we're not changing up our format. Um, And I'll just say this ahead of time for all the PR Flax, who have emailed me in the past and said, my client would be a terrific guest on your podcast, Three Martini Lunch. That's announcing you haven't listened to Three Martini Lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Because up until yesterday, we didn't have guests. Now, we may do this in the future. I think you and I both have this attitude of like, it's going to have to be somebody significant and special and and real potential to have a great, and maybe someone you wouldn't necessarily expect to see on a podcast like this. So uh, we will look for those opportunities as they arise. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, we got to a larger point where just because you disagree and perhaps very strongly on one point doesn't mean that that person can necessarily uh, be labeled with a broad brush in terms of their politics. I don't remember that we did that. If we did, because it was nine years ago, um, you know, that, that was that was too far. But if we have significant disagreements on an issue and we stick to the policy and, 
and things like that. I don't think that disagreement is a problem at all. And uh, I, I feel like we did come to that consensus yesterday. So I think that's a good thing. Let's uh, get to our actual fare today, but we're starting with the bad martini. Uh, Jim, inflation has been an issue for a long time now. First of all, we, of course, heard that it wasn't real. Then it was transitory. Now, of course, spending trillions more is going to solve the problem or at least not make it worse. Yeah, I don't know if uh, anybody who's paying attention really believes that. And now we've got worse news. Uh, New York Times, as you quote in the jolt today, inflation jumped to the highest level in nearly 40 years. Fresh data released on Friday showed as supply chain disruptions and rapid consumer demand and rising housing costs combined to fuel the strongest inflationary burst in a generation. The consumer price index climbed by 6.8% in the year through November. The data showed the fastest pace since 1982. That's almost 40 years ago now. I don't know how many people remember 1982. Inflation was bad. Interest rates were well into the double digits, especially for, for mortgages. But I think in general, the economy wasn't good. Uh, President Reagan did not have a good midterm that year. So, Jim, the Democrats have tried to explain away inflation or say it's not going to be a problem in, in a lot of different ways here. Joe Manchin says he wants to wait on Build Back Better before supporting it to see where inflation's headed. Well, if this is any indication... The only silver lining here is that he might not support this thing, but uh, for the bigger effect, for Americans in their kitchen table and their pocketbooks, this is terrible news. Yeah. <clears throat> if people are wondering why we shifted up the usual format, usually we could do good, bad, crazy. The bad martini is like the really big news of the day. And it felt kind of silly to, to put that in the back burner. Um, look, we knew this number was going to be bad. We just didn't know how bad it was going to be. And this Worst in 39 years, that's that's really high on the list of bad. That's that's really a, two further aspects. Yes, you are correct that this, you know, hopefully this will make Joe Manchin say, no way we're doing this before, you know, 2022. And in fact, I'm not going to make any promises that we even get to this in 2022. The first thing that jumps out, and I, I talked about this at you know considerable length in today's morning jolt. One of the reasons I think inflation has been so bad is that for much of the year, People like you and I and a whole bunch of right of center economists and analysts have looked at it and said, man, these are, this is, you know, inflation's getting bad. And the administration response has been, no, 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 it's not that bad. You're, you're, you're just talking down the economy. It's nothing to worry about, et cetera, et cetera. Um, perhaps most famously on July 19th, Joe Biden said, some folks have raised worries that this could be a sign of persistent inflation, but that's not our view. You know, we're confident that isn't what we're seeing today. And then later on, they said, at what point would you consider inflation unchecked? And he says, look, there's nobody suggesting there's unchecked inflation on the way. No serious economist. That's totally different. Well, it's now been, you know, six straight months of inflation surging more than 5% year over year. So that starts to look a lot like, you know, like how long does it have to go before you start saying, okay, it's not transitory? And how far and how big does it have to get before you say it's, you know, it's unchecked? I, I think we've talked about this before in this podcast. Everybody's going to go out and do Christmas shopping this month. So demand is going to go even higher. So we wouldn't expect any relief for the numbers for December. And maybe you can get some in early 2022. But a lot of folks are saying the supply chain issues are uh, not going to turn on a dime. And it's going to take some time on that, which means you're going to have supply shortages, which means you're going to have increased deal. You know, increased or regular demand and low supply, prices are going to keep staying up. Chances are you're not you're going to see inflation continuing to be a factor into at least the first couple of months in 2022, if not well into the year. God forbid, maybe it goes on for you know the rest of the year. So you add all that up, this is a, you know, this is this is not going to get any better anytime soon. Um, in today's morning jolt, I went through all the times in the past year, Paul Krugman, the columnist for the New York Times, and a Nobel Prize winner in economics 
has argued we don't need to worry about inflation. This is transitory. This is going to pass really fast. Still waiting, Mr. Krugman. Um, and then the second thing, which I just put in the corner, I think it's kind of a, you know, like unsurprising but galling. Greg, you know what Joe Biden thinks we should do to fight inflation? Spend more money. <laughs> pass Build Back Better. <laughs> the challenge of prices underscores the importance that Congress move without delay to pass my Build Back Better plan, which lowers how much families pay for health care prescription drugs, childcare, and more by having the federal government spend money on it. And if there's any institution we know can drive a hard bargain and get a good deal, it's the federal government. Look at those $600 hammers at the Pentagon and things like that. So, um, you know, this, this administration is like a broken record. There's nothing that can happen to persuade them, hey, maybe we shouldn't dump lots more money in the economy. It's, you know, the it, it all kind of hangs on mansion right now. And, you know, this is a glaring indication that if you dump too much money into the economy too fast, prices go up and it takes a long time to burn through and get things back into equilibrium. Yeah. And remember, the Congressional Budget Office has already said that they don't cover the cost with uh, their revenue provisions in the bill. It'd be adding hundreds of billions more uh, to the deficit, which the Biden administration disputes because they say the CBO doesn't really get revenue because, you know, that's the argument you always get from Democrats when Republicans put up a tax bill, but uh, it's it's just this Biden plan. Hey, we think the economy's doing well with this report. Hey, we'll make it even better with Build Back Better. Economy stinks. Oh, the only way to get get better is with Build Back Better. It's it's that's their answer for everything, uh, and it's actually the answer for nothing. Greg, my colleague Dominic Pino has just tweeted. I'm pretty sure Biden could look at the football scores in the sports section and say <laughs> these numbers show we have to pass Build Back Better. Uh well. The, for the Bears and Jets, I don't know if there are any provisions in there for them, but uh, a lot of zeros in those. <laughs> just a lot of zeros. Uh, the thing I'm wondering about the Bears and the Jets, Jim, is if we combine our win total this year, would that be enough to qualify for the playoffs in either conference? That 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 I think is the the true thing, and I think the answer is going to end up being no. Yeah, I mean, here, the, the, the good news is the Jets are at three wins, so they're guaranteed to have more wins than last year. The bad news is that with the season expanding from 16 games to 17. They are still capable of having a 14 loss season. Oh, yeah. The misery the misery goes an extra week this year. That's true. All right. Well, we've talked a lot about money, but uh, look, you want the gold too, the gold and the silver. Universal coin and bullion is the place to go to start learning about how to invest in that, especially as the dollar gets less and less valuable. The price of silver has increased 340% since 2000, and it continues trending higher. So if you're interested in that, and given the need to diversify that portfolio, head over soon to Universal Coin and Bullion. Universal Coin and Bullion is offering our listeners a special locked-in price of just $30 for a beautiful one-ounce 2021 American Silver Eagle coin, which just happens to be the most popular coin in the world for collectors and investors. This limited offer is available at dealer's cost because Universal Coin wants you to own the first newly designed silver bullion coin since President Reagan signed the Gold Bullion Act in 1985. Call Universal Coin, the leaders in the precious metals industry, at 1-800-UCB-GOLD to get your beautiful U.S. Mint silver coin for only $30. Postage is free, and you'll be dealing with the experts. In fact, those experts include Dr. Mike Fulgens, who is officially known by the U.S. government as America's gold expert, and he's the 2021 Coin Dealer of the Year. UCB also has uh, rare gold coins that uh, might be a good investment as well, but this special silver deal is only available using our code MARTINI. So make sure you use that code when you call 800-UCB-GOLD, 800-UCB-GOLD. 
All right, Jim, let's move to our good martini now, and that's the verdict that came out of Chicago. Jesse Smollett, the actor best known for Empire, although I have to say until uh, his uh, reporting of this alleged attack a number of years ago, I had not heard of. But immediately, uh, the response to that, I believe even President Trump tweeted about how horrible it was that he had been the victim of a racist and homophobic attack in the streets of Chicago early morning in the middle of a polar vortex by guys in MAGA hats saying, this is MAGA country. And so just some of those details started to raise some eyebrows and then more work was done. The police looked into this. There was video camera on the streets and it turns out that the evidence was piling up that this was a hoax, that Jesse Smollett paid people to quote unquote uh, attack him. It was all a setup. And uh, given the details of the hoax, it was pretty clear uh, that he was trying to make a political statement here. And it certainly got a strong political reaction, especially on the left. Uh, The Chicago police uh, spitting nails when uh, Chicago's uh, district attorney, Kim Fox, decided not to uh, press charges. But then the charges were reinstated. And on Thursday, uh, he was found guilty on five of six counts of staging a hoax crime and then falsely reporting it uh, to police. So, Jim, in a number of ways, this is good. It's pretty clear based on the evidence that the jury reached the right verdict here. So it's always good to know that justice was done. But at the same time, it's very good to send a message that uh, hoaxes, whether trying to make a political statement or otherwise, maybe trying to frame someone else for for a crime is a very serious thing as well, uh, needs to be cracked down on. And it does appear that it's been cracked down on. I don't know what the punishment is actually going to be here, whether he gets uh, jail time or not. But uh, in the end, uh, hopefully the right message was sent here. Greg, when the trial began, I wrote a bit and said, I wanted to see accountability. You know, the, the sentence, you know, yes, he could get jail time. People aren't really expecting that. Although maybe with, you know, conviction on five of the six counts um, and this, conclu- you know, if the conclusion that he committed perjury during this trial uh, maybe that does lead to him getting jail time at some point. But I, one way or another, there had to be some punishment. There had to be some consequence to say, you can't do this because you want attention, because you want to promote your career, or because you want to make people believe that there are angry, rage-filled, MAGA hat-wearing, racist, homophobic Trump fans storming through the streets of Chicago on the coldest night in many years recognizing Jesse Smollett from his TV show. Hey, it's Jesse Smollett from the Fox hit Empire, where he plays the gay son of the record producer. Let's get him. I love that show. Let's get him. It always you know, gave, gave off a whiff of utter nonsense. There's a Keystone Cops element to his scheme. I, apparently the favorite part, I, Kyle Smith called my attention to the fact is that he arranged this with a, basically making a deposit, so to speak, with the guys who he arranged to have assault him by sending them a check for $3,500. Greg, if you and I ever decide to engage in a criminal conspiracy, we're going to use cash. <laughs> you generally don't want to leave a paper trail of your, of your elaborate scheme to file a false police report. So uh, good. And, and I'm glad that he's getting mocked. I'm glad that he's getting criticized. Uh, my colleague, Madeline Kearns, brother, it's an interesting point of like, does this in the when you add all up everything in the past three years, did Jesse Smollett get what he wanted? Does this actually a win for him? Because I went back and I checked when this happened. Uh, Empire, the show had debuted with like big ratings. I think it was like the fifth highest or fifth most popular show. And by the time 2019 rolled around, it had written, you know, year by year, slowly declined in the ratings. Um, to I think about like 58th or something like that. It was, you know, people were still watching, but it was not a hit anymore. And he was always a supporting actor. And he probably wondered if at some point the show was going to get canceled and he was going to fade into obscurity. So this, 
this turned him into an icon. We got his name recognition up. He may be facing, you know, jail time or fines, but I kind of wonder if the infamy is worth it for him, the, that he is now this icon, this, you know, a whole bunch of people hate him, but there are always going to be people who are going to love him. And they're also, there are always going to be people who are going to make excuses. Just came across my feed a few moments ago. Zach Stafford, the an opinion columnist at MSNBC, wrote last night, quote, it doesn't matter if the actor who starred on Empire really was beaten up by the people yelling, this is MAGA country. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> it does a lot. It did, you know, if you don't think it matters, get out of journalism. You don't belong there at that point. Go write fiction. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun sometimes. Go ahead and do it, but don't tell me. Oh, my God. And there was another person at MSNBC, a uh, contributor to the Joy Reid program, who said that, well, it was a lie, but it sounded plausible. And that's the important lesson here. But first of all, no, it never sounded plausible. It always sounded kind of strange and exaggerated and ridiculous and, and all that kind of stuff. But the second thing is, is that, yes, it does matter. Truth does matter. And I can't help but notice, Greg, that we've now had a series of events in which there have been um, a media narrative takes hold. And then there's a trial. The Kyle Rittenhouse trial comes to example. I think you probably could say the George Zimmerman trial. You know, People have this idea in their head of what happened. And then it goes into a courtroom and you have the, you know, not the five minutes on a newscast or two minutes or, you know, two minutes on YouTube or a tweet or a Facebook post or something like that. But you have days and days in which a prosecutor defense attorney go back and forth and lay out what happened in as much detail as possible. The jury happens to come back with the argument that is contrary to the media narrative. And so you kind of begin to raise this question, is this another case in which the media has, I mean, the media did eventually turn on Jesse Smollett. In fact, the Chicago media apparently was kind of skeptical from the beginning. Ironically, the further you were from Chicago, the more likely you were to believe this, particularly if your name was Kamala Harris or Joe Biden. Um, but both of, you know, both of whom issued statements saying, oh, how could this happen in America, blah, blah, blah. It turns out it didn't happen in America. The whole thing was this crazy hoax. So it does feel like the legal system is providing a sense of balance, providing a sense of dedication to the truth, uh, a, a, a allergy to convenient narratives and getting justice in a way that media coverage of these events simply does not offer and is not no longer even interested in. I just want to clarify that Jim and I are not currently planning any criminal schemes, <laughs> nor do we have any intention to. You know who would go on a podcast and talk about the upcoming criminal plan? Jesse Smollett. That's who <laughs> Jesse Smollett will not be a guest on the Three Martinis. <laughs> he's, no, he's not our next man. Although, kind of, kind of fun. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw the Charles Barkley clip once the uh, the story began to unravel from the NBA uh, show on TNT, where Ernie Johnson's talking about the NBA, and all of a sudden Barkley just talks about not using personal checks <laughs> in relation to that story. And then he and Shaq can't keep a straight face; they just lose it for about the next two minutes. But uh, anyway, but. Um, you know, the, in terms of, of relationships between the public and the police, when you get uh, people making up stuff like this, it only makes things worse. Obviously, relations aren't that great in Chicago right now, given the huge crime rates and the gang activity. And so you need as good of relations as possible. And Jesse Smollett only made those things worse. So good that we got the, the verdict that certainly appears to be correct here. All right, Jim. Well, it's been quite a week in a number of different ways uh, for the Three Martini Lunch and uh, in, in terms of, of the news. And you've been able to deal with all of it from the comfort of your X chair. 
Well, it's not just comfort of my ex-chair. You know, I'll, I'll let uh, listeners in on a little bit of a secret. Last weekend, Mrs. Garrity and I had folks over. We had Greg and uh, his lovely wife over and a whole bunch of friends. And the ex-chair was like a ride at Disneyland. <laughs> I exaggerate slightly, but I really, is that the ex-chair? Yeah, come on and sit. And people tried out the vibrations. They tried out the heating setting. They tried out the cooling settings. Look, it's obviously great for every day when you go to work. And I've talked about how, you know, it's good on your back. It's good on your shoulders, you know, and, and how you've probably, a lot of people probably learned when they started working at home during the pandemic that your kitchen table chair probably wasn't meant for you to be sitting there typing on your laptop for hours at a time. So yes, you're going to want the X chair. It's worth it. You're going to take care of yourself. But then now that, you know, the pandemic's largely in the rearview mirror, you can have people over. Everybody's going to want to try it out. So it's a conversation piece and it's a, a object of envy for all your friends. So trust me, folks, you're going to want to get the X chair. Yeah. You know, we talked about the kitchen uh, that Jim and his wife uh, had redone. So we looked at the kitchen and then he showed me the office. I'm like, is that the X chair? And so uh, that was one of the very first things on my to-do list when I was over there. But uh, look, it's the holidays and you deserve a gift or maybe someone you love if you already have an X chair. But uh, if you want to try it out for yourself, which we highly encourage, uh, give yourself the gift of the X chair. And now's the perfect time to buy it. Because here is X-Chair's holiday gift to you. You can save $100 right now off your X-Chair just by purchasing it at xchairmartini.com now. That's the letter X, chair, M-A-R-T-I-N-I.com. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 per month. Go to xchairmartini.com and save xchairmartini.com. All right, Jim, on to our crazy martini now, which is in its usual spot, and it deals with the pace of expected vaccinations. I feel like it was just a couple of months ago, and that's because it was, that the FDA said, yeah, we'll approve a booster shot for immunocompromised people and people over 65. And then slowly they got to the point of uh, encouraging it for everyone. And then just, I think, two days ago, Dr. Fauci was on with Brianna Keeler of CNN saying, yeah, it's only a matter of time before uh, the third shot is going to be necessary to be considered fully vaccinated. And then less than 24 hours later, you've got the CEO of Pfizer, uh, Albert Borla, going on CNBC talking about how it's inevitable you're going to need a fourth shot. Here's what he said. And uh, at a certain point, I think we will need the fourth dose. I have said that multiple times. Uh, with the previous, I was projecting that that will be on 12 months after the third dose. Um, with Omicron, we need to wait and see because we have very little information. We may need it faster. So, Jim, this is a uh, dizzying pace. First, it was the two shots. Then it was uh, kind of back and forth on the third. Now Borla's talking about a fourth. Uh, uh, do we need a punch card at some point here? Well, I, I, yeah, I guess on this the sixth one, you should get a free coffee or something like that. But uh, so, first of all, if anybody in American or global health life is going to tell us that, yeah, you're going to need a fourth shot, I'd really rather it not be the CEO of one of the companies making the shots. Yes, you know, it's kind of like the president of the Coca-Cola company says that you're going to need another soda. Uh, that you're, you know, in order to fight dehydration, you're going to have to purchase more of their products. Um, he, he might be right. We, you know, we've had this you know, concern about declining immunity after a certain amount. Um, when the, when the vaccines were unveiled, we, we all were very happy to see them. Finally, it's relief. The pandemic's going to end. Uh, if you need to get one every, like people get flu shots every year. So the idea of needing to get a shot, you know, in order to make sure your immune system is, uh, up to snuff and ready and adapting to whatever variants are out there. Okay. I guess I can, you know, you can see that, but 
you know, they were just telling us a little while ago, no, the third shot's the last thing you need. That's going to give you lasting immunity. Um, if lasting immunity against COVID-19 is not possible, I think the you know public health experts need to start really leveling with us and saying that this because it feels like they keep springing this on us. But the the flip side of this, I, you know, look, I you know I, if you say if, if the attitude is you should get a fourth shot, fine, I'll go out and get a fourth shot. Although I think it's extremely likely that with each successive required shot, more and more people are going to say, eh, I'll take my chances. I think it's fine. You know, like they people will, will feel like they're they're constantly being told to do this and this whole idea of. Well, two shots, we won't consider you fully vaccinated anymore. Boy, you're going to have a real backlash to that one. You know, this, this people do start feeling like they're being bossed around and the rug is being pulled out from under them or something. But then the third thing is that, you know, there are a whole bunch of people in this world who haven't had any. And the World Health Organization is saying, well, you know what? We really should have two for everybody before anybody else gets a third one. So <laughs> the World Health Organization, which you'd kind of like to be on top of these sorts of things, is saying, no, two is fine. You don't need any more. Whereas other health experts are saying, you know, currently the U.S. government's attitude is like, you need to get three. And at some point, if you don't have three, we won't consider you fully vaccinated. And now the president of Pfizer is saying, actually, you're going to need four at least. No, it's, it's utterly insane. There's still no talk of natural immunity. I've had COVID, so I think that's something that needs to be addressed, not just for me, obviously, but for anybody that's had it. It's like the whole issue of natural immunity has been ignored. They don't talk a lot about therapeutics. And, you know, we were supposed to wait for several weeks to to see the testing on Omicron to see if, you know, the, the current vaccines are effective against it. Yet Borla's already ahead of the curve here saying, oh, no, you're, you're going to need one here. So uh, it, it just it's. I don't know if it's quite the level of the school in L.A. that we talked about earlier in the week, but the more these people keep talking, uh, the more trouble they're getting themselves into. And by the way, this also illuminates the frustration of, I'm following the science. Look, very smart scientists don't always agree. So there is no, you, I want to follow the science. Which science? <laughs> right. Oh, so many frustrations on so many levels with this. But uh, Jim, it has been a full week here on the three it martini has, lunch. It has, so. and uh, yeah, we, you know, Hope everyone has enjoyed it. If you happen to miss yesterday's show, put aside a little extra time than usual. We, we, we ran long, but I think it was worthwhile. Check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, Jim has a link to that podcast in today's Morning Jolt, so you can uh, catch the conversation there if you haven't heard it already, or, of course, however you normally get the Three Martini Lunch podcast. So, Jim, have a great weekend. See you Monday. See you Monday, Greg. Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Also tell your friends about us and uh, especially about that special episode yesterday. Might get them interested in the podcast in general. Uh, we are very grateful for your kind reviews and your five-star ratings. Remember about those home devices. All you have to say is play 3 Martini Launch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great weekend, and please join us again on Monday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hi, this is Greg Columbus, and I'm here with Dr. Mike Fulgens, the president of Universal Coin and Bullion. He was recently named the 2021 Dealer of the Year by the American Numismatic Association. Mike, let's talk counterfeiting. The Mint has recently released newly designed gold and silver coins that are becoming popular, which means there's a pretty good chance some folks in China or elsewhere will try to counterfeit them. How can consumers protect themselves? Well, we do have newly designed gold bullion and silver bullion coins by the U.S. Mint. They redesigned the reverses of the American Gold Eagle and American Silver Eagle. And you need to deal with a reputable dealer, one that's received awards like we have for Best Dealer Publications or Dealer of the Year by organizations like the American Numismatic Association or the Numismatic Literary Guild. And you want to make sure that that dealer has the expertise 
and the business sense to check prices and to make sure you get the right quality at the right price. Finding the right dealer is the key in this rising gold and silver market where I see it increasing 10 to 30% in the next year due to the increasing debt in this country and increasing inflation. It's the right time to buy gold. Dr. Mike Fulgens is recognized as America's gold expert by the U.S. government. Contact Mike and his team of professionals at Universal Coin and Bullion to own your gold and silver coins now. Call 1-800-UCB-GOLD.